Welcome back, folks. I am your host, the NFL Always Offseason GM, Fred, and we got a great episode for you here today. We're going to jump into some breaking news, basically stuff that's been coming hot off the press since the Super Bowl and before the Super Bowl. Uh, we're going to do a big Super Bowl review. We're going to talk about the game, some of the stuff that we liked from it. Uh, we're going to discuss our prop bets record, what we hit on really well, what we didn't. And then to close it out, we're going to finish up our, our 2021 NFL positional rankings our top five lists for each position we got the cornerbacks and the safeties coming in hot so a lot of stuff to look forward to and like i said it's a short episode so let's just get right after it right away here so i wanted to make sure we touched on some of the breaking news again this week uh it's been few and far in between now that we filled some of this coaching stuff and some of this uh craziness before the super bowl but there was one big story that came out this past week that i want to make sure we touch on because i don't know why but these stories don't seem to get a ton of run. Well, actually, I know why. It's because the owners try to kill them before they get out. But this is another huge story in terms of a workplace environment that's not exactly ideal. And it's going to be the Dallas Cowboys. And they had a, a very hush-hush hush, hush settlement with their cheerleading team for, I believe it was like sexual misconduct. And it's for $2.4 million dollars. And basically the leagues come out and said that they don't really have any comment on this. And they're kind of putting Jerry Jones on his own here. And I mean, rightfully so. We got to start holding these guys accountable. And it's pretty embarrassing how many of these stories are coming out and how many of these people of power or in power positions think that they can just do whatever they want. And I, frankly, I'm just tired of it. It's it's embarrassing. I don't want to hear about this. I just want to hear about football. Let's just talk football. But we, we're here we are. We're in the, the 2022 and we've got leaders and people in management positions that don't know how to act like decent human beings. So at this point, I'm just frankly sick of it. I'm sick of hearing these stories. And let's let's all just be good people and let's act like we're supposed to each other and stop having these just shameful allegations against people that we hold a very high standard and frankly they should be because they're billionaire owners so let's figure it out nfl owners let's figure it out upper management let's figure it out and let's let's have this league be something that's respectable and stop hearing about this stuff like this and along the same lines here we're even with a conduct for players there's another story that comes out this week with adrian peterson and and it's this is not i mean i shouldn't say it's not nothing of a surprise because anytime we get this news about players it's a surprise but along the same lights it's it's adrian peterson facing domestic violence charges uh for an incident that happened on a plane and once again it's he's a repeat offender and this is stuff that you know doesn't surprise us because he's a repeat offender and once again it's it's embarrassing that this gets out and really we should we were holding these guys to a standard higher than the rest of us just because of the the pedestal we're placing them on and adrian peterson's part of that too he's a future hall of fame running back but a lot of the stuff is clouding his legacy and he can't be letting this do that so we'll monitor the situation there was no verdict handed down but nonetheless when your name's in a limelight like this it's it's not something that's normally a good thing so that's going to be it for the, the the bad news that we got over the last week. But we, we did have a status update on the Kyler Murray situation. And it, it appears that this is a very rocky relationship currently between Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. So the big news coming out of Arizona was that Kyler Murray's unhappy. And now we get news that 
uh, essentially he's considered to be this this childish, immature, not a very good leader in that locker room. He kind of keeps to himself. And there's always been this baseball thing hanging over his head. Is he going to go back to baseball? Well, we haven't heard anything on that front. But apparently there was news that came out that in the, the playoff blowout loss they had to the Rams, uh, at some point in the game he had come up to Colt McCoy and said, I'm not going back in this one, and basically just checked himself out early. So, that I mean, that's that's some damning information because you don't really want the leader of your football team quitting on the rest of his team and that's not a good look if if I'm on that team and I'm seeing my quarterback check out I'm like well what are we even doing here why don't we just toss the white flag out there and just go back to the locker room because obviously he don't want to play and he's the guy that's running the offense so that's a huge concerning factor in this and I'm, I'm guessing that a lot of this stuff that's getting released is to to nip some of this behavior in the butt and I don't know exactly know if that's the right approach with Kyler Murray just because I don't want to say he's got a fragile ego, but he's he's kind of an unstable uh, attitude kind of guy. He kind of shuts down easy. He rides the highs high and he rides the lows low. So I don't know if calling him out on a public stand like this is going to yield good results. But nonetheless, it seems as though it they're headed for an early split here. And uh, if the price is right, I think they they could actually deal him. And he's still a very good young player. So it's going to be kind of shocking. They're probably going to get an absolute haul for him. So if they got a quarterback they like coming up in the next year, this year, the year after that, uh, definitely it's time to strike while the iron's hot. So a situation worth monitoring, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see him get shipped out soon here. But that's going to conclude it here for the, the breaking news. Let's jump right over to our Super Bowl review. So to start the week off here, we're going to, start by recapping the Super Bowl from last Sunday. I know I know it's Thursday already, but uh, I just want to make sure that we touch on this because this is going to be a big part of this episode and a big part of the last week here in football. So the Rams end up squeaking this one out. They get the home win. Uh, weird home win in Super Bowl, but it turned out that that was a little bit of a factor here. They end up getting the dub 23-20. to And really, it was it was a kind of a knockdown drag-out fight. It was back and forth. It looked like for a while the Bengals were going to come out on top, then the Rams sneak out, they get the lead, and then they come back, and they get the huge stop on defense at the end. But we'll get to that in a second here. Uh, the tail of the tape here is there was no rushing yardage in this game, just like I figured there would be. And uh, that was one of the big props that we hit, we would have hit on. And once again, we'll also get to that here in a few minutes. But the Bengals ended up having 79 yards rushing, which isn't terrible, but the, the Rams really kind of floundered out. They ended up with 43 yards. And it, it's not for the lack of trying. They ended up with 23 attempts on the ground, which is plenty enough. And they're really floundering right about two yards of carry, if not just a little bit less. And that's not very good. But the tail of the tape here is Matt Stafford was really good for most of this football game. He ended up with 283 yards and three touchdowns. But he had a, two couple costly picks, one to Skoranek, which was kind of tipped up in the air when another one that was just he's rolling to his left and he's taking a huge shot when they were in field goal range and end up turning the ball over in a key situation so a couple of really bad interceptions but really the 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 player in this game that was outstanding was Cooper Cup uh when we got to the end of the game it was very apparent that the Rams are going to win I said it right away Cooper Cup's getting the MVP in this one he had a very complete game. I know he was he was mostly shut out for like the second, third quarter, but at the beginning he made his presence known. He had a touchdown. He had a touchdown at the end as well too. 
Uh, so eight catches, 92 yards, two touchdowns, and he had a really key run in this one too on that end around, if everybody remembers. Then ended up going for seven yards and getting the, the very timely first down that the Rams needed. But on the other side of things, the Bengals, the woes that really had uh, threatened them for most of the, the season, mainly offensive line issues, really flared up in this one. They gave up seven sacks. Uh, it seemed like Joe Burrow was constantly under duress and uh, constantly having to step up and make some magic happen. He ends up with 263 yards, one touchdown, and Joe Mixon ends up on a trick play as well, too, throwing for another touchdown as well. He added 72 yards on the ground. And their big receiver on the day was T. Higgins, four catches, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, they also had Jamar Chase, five catches, 89 yards. So both of them pretty outstanding. And it, it was very apparent that the connection, once again, was there between Burrow and Chase. And if we go back to the first touchdown, excuse me, second touchdown by T. Higgins, uh, there's very clearly offensive pass interference. And I'm not going to get too much into the ref stuff just because I think Football games, you can't rely on this call's going to go this way, this call's going to go that way. You need to play the game as if the refs aren't there. They're just there to mediate, to moderate the stuff. And I know, oh, well, they're making their presence known. But you're going to get some calls against you. Some are going to go the other way. Uh, there's been a lot of lucky calls throughout the playoffs for both of these teams and some unlucky ones for both teams. So you wouldn't be here without them you might be here because of them. So it's it's going to go either way. I'm not going to sit there and nitpick this, but it definitely was OPI on that play. You could see him pull his face mask out of the way, but then they, they get a makeup call for it down the road here on the Logan Wilson interception, which is, or not the interception, the Logan Wilson stop, which is another fact here is that it was very good defense. They get a call here. It's a makeup call. A couple of them other inter or pass interferences on that same drive were, were definitely pass interference, but that was the big one that stood out. So I think the officiating wasn't very bad the entire game. They, they were really letting these guys play. You could even see it with the Aaron Donald scuffle on the sideline as uh, they, they didn't flag anybody in that situation. They didn't kick anybody out. They, they stayed out of it. They, they know it's a competitive game. They know tempers are flaring. They stayed out of it. So I was really happy about that. And speaking of Aaron Donald, I really thought that he had a case for MVP. And I know we talked last week that he had some pretty good betting odds. But really, the only reason I didn't think that he was going to get the MVP over Cooper Cup was mainly due to the fact that he wasn't really outstanding in the first half. And don't get me wrong, he's constantly in always outstanding in pretty much every game he's playing because he's drawn these double triple teams but he wasn't really standing out and making it like a, a most valuable performance so that's the only reason why I went with Cooper Cup it was more game long than it was just for the half but the absolute wrecking ball he was in the second half it's there's an argument to be made that he was worth it and you look at that last drive alone uh, when they got the big stop on the third down everybody knows it now Donald gets the big stop on the run play in third and one, which is, you know, it's a four down territory here. So it's a really big stop on third and one. Then they get the fourth and one. and He's just an absolute wrecking ball. You knew exactly what was happening when he was going up against Quentin Spain in that last situation there. And he made the play. He made the play that sealed the game. So no surprise to me that there's a case to be made. But nonetheless, the Rams really pulled out a really, really solid win here. Uh, like I said, 
the running game was not a factor. And that's going to take us right into some of our favorite prop bets here. And uh, we're going to grade them out on how we did. And the first one that I, I threw out there that actually this one hit. So if you took this one, good for you. But both teams on the under of 190.5 yards, they definitely were in easy ways under that. It was about 40, 50 yards under that. So that's the first one we hit. And it was by a pretty clear margin. The second one is going to be the Joe, Joe Burrow's first TD pass was over 12 and a half yards. And he only threw one TD pass and it was about a 75 yarder to T Higgins. So this one hit by a mile as well too. Longest field goal over 47.5. We did not hit this one. Uh, there was three field goals in this one. Just all of them were from very low range. It looked like at the end there, we were going to get an Evan, McS Evan McPherson shot. They were right at about the 50. They only needed about five to 10 more yards for this to even be a plausible option for McPherson, but they couldn't quite get there. So we didn't hit that one. The shortest field goal will be over 27.5. We hit this one, I believe the shortest field goal was 29 yards. This one I also thought was pretty easy money. Nowadays, once you get within about 10 yards of the, field, the, the goal line, most teams are going forward on fourth down. And especially with these younger analytic-driven teams, I think you're gonna, that's going to be a trend moving forward. So this one is a pretty easy one. We hit that. Now, this is the big one that I, I really wish I'd have thrown down a, a large sum of money on. But the Rams by three was exactly plus 750 at the time of recording when we did last week. And the Rams won by exactly three. So 100 bucks would have netted you 750 So this was a really good one that, if you took advantage of it, was a really good bet. Now, we're going to get into this range here where we didn't do so well with our props. But it's going to be the Super Bowl field goal record will be broken. I said yes. Uh, that was really wishful thinking on this one. I know the odds were pretty decent. I don't think it was like plus two or plus 300, but that one, uh, we, we definitely did not hit on that one as I believe it was only about 39 yards. It's like the longest field goal we had. Uh, the, the next one is going to be who was shown first. It was going to be McVay or Zach Taylor. And this one I thought was a no brainer. Uh, McVay was the heavy favorite in this one. And he was also the first one shown as well too. So Sean McVay, first coach shown in the game. Who was shown first for the coordinators? So your options were Kevin O'Connell, Gino Ariyama, uh, Bill Callahan, or Raheem Morris. Uh, actually, the one that one hit on this one was uh, Gino Anarumo. Anar I, I'm, I apologize. I'm butchering this one, but it's the Bengals DC. He was the first one shown. So we ended up not getting that one. I thought Kevin O'Connell for sure, especially with the Rams coming out getting the ball first. I thought O'Connell would, would have been the heavy favorite there. The Super Bowl receiving record was broken. Well, as we know now, Cooper Cup led, or actually, no, excuse me, T. Higgins led all receivers with 100 yards. That's about 117 yards shy. Uh, I was thinking that we were going to get a huge monster game, especially with Odell going out early. Uh, and we didn't even really hit on that. But Odell going out early had a big effect on this game. And I thought it was going to have a big effect on Cooper Cup's targets. And he ended up with eight. But I just thought he was going to see, like, next level target share, like 13, 14, and hit about 200 yards. But nonetheless, we came up short on that one, too. The next one is going to be some of these funner props. It's going to be, are they going to show the picture of Joe Burrow with a cigar? Or is there any any point there going to be a picture of Joe Burrow with a cigar surface? And the answer on this one was no, they did not show it. So this one did not hit. The next one is going to be over-under on pro athletes and commercials. I thought this is a pretty easy 7.5 over, but... I don't know how it didn't hit because if anybody remembers watching the Super Bowl, they had the, the animated guys 
and I, I believe they were all voiced by their actual athletes in this one. So I don't know. I mean, there was like six in that one alone. So you're talking like one more commercial. I'm sure there's a, a guy I'm missing in one of these. Uh, so I, I, this one's a little bit suspect to me. I, I guess there's some subjective material around it. But this one did not hit, so it would not have paid out on this one. And then the last one is the one I am most upset about, because especially with the news this week about Snoop Dogg, but is there going to be a halftime performer that smokes in during the performance? And the answer was no, so we didn't hit this one. I said yes. And it turns out Snoop smoked right before he came on stage, and there's a big uproar about it. But if you know who Snoop is, you know exactly what he was doing before he got up there. I thought he was going to do it on stage. I thought you'd have been crazy to think he wasn't going to do it on stage. And I guess it turns out that they know a lot more about this stuff than we do. So that one didn't hit either. But really, uh, where we, we really would have made our ground up here is going to be the Rams by three. That was a huge win for us. But uh, we ended up on all the props. There's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 total that we handed out last week. And we ended up hitting on 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. We ended up hitting on 5. So we were 5 for 7, which isn't terrible, especially considering some of the odds on these ones. That if you'd have bet any sum of money, you're, you're probably coming out ahead, even if you bet even money on each one. So. Big win for us on the Super Bowl props there as well. But overall, I was really impressed with the game. Uh, I it kept you, it had enough offense to keep you interested, but it also had enough defense to show you that defense really still does matter in in today's NFL. And it really goes to show you what what kind of special talent some of these guys are on the Rams team. Uh, Matt Stafford really upped his legacy, and Aaron Donald really cemented himself as probably the le- the best defensive player we may have seen since Lawrence Taylor. And that's a big deal. It's It sounds like he's going to be coming back. But uh, nonetheless, if this was the last we've seen of him, that that's quite the way to go out, going out on top there. So congrats to the Los Angeles Rams. Hopefully we'll see you back here soon, Cincinnati Bengals. But that's a wrap on uh, the 2022 Super Bowl. So picking up where we left off from last week on our top five player positional rankings of 2021 we're going to run right into the cornerback list here so last week we did edge interior d line and off ball linebackers this week we're going to be doing all the dbs so starting up right off the bat here it's going to be cornerbacks and our top number five cornerback from 2021 is going to be trayvon diggs and i know some people are going to be upset thinking that he should be higher on this list but when we're taking a look at this he ended up having a really bad coverage grade uh, from PFF or just overall grade. Uh, it was 59, excuse me, 59.6 from PFF. Uh, and everybody knows the, the, the interception numbers. He ended up with 11 interceptions, but he added also, excuse me, additionally 58 combined tackles, one for a loss, to, and one sack to go with those 11 interceptions. So the number one thing I'm looking at here is turnovers are a difference maker. So I know he gave up a ton of yards. He's at tops of the league, I believe, or top two or three in terms of yardage allowed to wide receivers that he's in coverage, the main coverage guy against. But when you're getting 11 turnovers on defense, that is huge. That's a big deal. That's 11 extra possessions. That's like almost one a game. And especially when you've got an offense like the Cowboys are running, that's putting your offense in a really good position. 
are taking points off the board for the other team. So that's why I'm going to include him in my top five. I don't necessarily think he should have been like first team all pro or even anything like that, or even like second team all pro, but I definitely think he's worthy of acknowledgement that he's one of the better uh, cover corners in terms of ball skills and being able to play the ball while it's in the air. So Trayvon Diggs, number five corner from 2021. The number four cover corner from 2021 on our list here is going to be Denzel Ward. So Denzel Ward is the number one corner for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he plays on a, a Cleveland Browns defense that was much improved over last year. They ended up fifth in yardage allowed, and he had a big part to do with that since seeing as he's the number one guy. He's he's covering a lot of the big-time targets on that team. But Denzel Ward ends up with – excuse me. Oh, I'm looking at his stats on PFF here. And then I'm also trying to make sure we get the, the whole picture here for him. So I wanted to get his uh, combined tackle numbers. But uh, in terms of tackles, he ends up with 43 combined tackles, 34 solos, three interceptions, one for a touchdown. So that's modestly fair stats. But his, he got an overall grade from PFF for 76.9. So just knocking out of the door 77, which is pretty respectable. It's one of the higher ones that we're going to mention here. And the reason I like Denzel Ward is I know he gets a lot of help from the the front seven they have there between Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, and some of these other guys they brought in that do a really good job of rushing a passer. But I think he does a really good job in coverage, and I think he's extremely underrated just because he had a little bit of a down season this past year. But uh, we've seen what he could do as a rookie. He was a top 10 pick. He has a ton of potential, and he's finally starting to realize some of it there as well. And I think just that this Cleveland defense is a lot better than people thought they were going to be and a lot more than they get credit for. And I think that's a pretty big deal when we're taking a look at it and seeing, okay, who are the top corners and who are the top corners on that defense as well, too. That's going to be the case with a lot of these teams here. But Denzel Ward is more than a, worthy of deserving a, a top four spot here on our list. And that's exactly where he's going to end up. The number three cover corner here is going to be a, a name that's, unless you're a diehard football fan, it's not going to be exactly familiar to you. But it's going to be A.J. Terrell, the cornerback for the Atlanta Falcons. And A.J. Terrell was a rookie this past season. And he comes out in his second season and has a huge breakout year. And really, I wanted to make sure that we included PFF stats for the corners because you're going to start thinking like, wow, the Atlanta Falcons have a terrible defense. What is this guy doing on this list? But... Let me just throw you his volume stats to begin with. He had 81 combined tackles, a forced fumble, three interceptions to go with 16 passes defensed. So this guy was playing on a defense that wasn't very good. That's no secret. But he has a PFF grade of 82.7, and that's going to be a big part of what we're doing here. This is going to be, I believe, it's like the second or third highest grade that we're going to have that I could find out there for most corners this season. And that's why I like including it on here is because it's going to capture some of the stuff that, yes, the the Atlanta Falcons have a bottom five defense, but it's nothing of his doing. He's shutting dudes down constantly. It's the, it's the guy that's playing opposite of him. It's their run defense. It's uh, some of the stuff that's hitting over the top of him. I mean, you put this guy on an island, and he'll be able to do his job. He'll do it very, very well. And uh, it's a guy that's made a huge leap. He's he's proven he's worthy of top five status in this league. And he's finally starting to realize some of that potential he had coming out of Clemson. 
So I really like A.J. Terrell, and I was really happy including him on this list. He was definitely deserving of a second-team All-Pro that he received this year, and I'm really excited to see what he can do and be a building block in this Atlanta defense moving forward. And that's going to take us right into our number two player from the 2021 season, and it's going to be J.C. Jackson for the New England Patriots. So J.C. Jackson... Uh, cornerback ended up with some pretty gaudy numbers as well too here it was really hard for me not to include him as the number one guy but I will get to who that is in a second JC Jackson ends up with 58 tackles eight interceptions and one touchdown to go along with 23 passes defensed so those are some big time numbers when we're talking in terms of (laughs) cornerback stats eight picks is really up there that's knocking on the door of Trevon Diggs's range but the reason he gets such a, a higher ranking over Trevon Diggs is what he was able to do in coverage as well, too. Uh, when we take a look at his PFF grade, he ends up with an 82.7. So he's he's right in that same range as AJ Terrell. So he, he's got almost double the interceptions as this guy, but he's also doing just as good in coverage. So I think that that's a huge part. And it was really a a big reason of why I wanted to put him as number one, because I do put such an onus on some of these turnovers. I think that's a big deal in today's NFL, especially with kind of what, where we've seen the officiating go on the defensive side of the football. So hats off to JC Jackson. He's going to get paid this off season because I believe his deals up for the new England Patriots. And if I'm any team out there, I'm really backing up the Brinks truck to see what it's going to take to get JC Jackson in my building which is going to take us right into our number one corner from the 2021 season. And I don't know if it's going to be any surprise here, but it's going to be Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey, uh, corner for the Los Angeles Rams, recent Super Bowl champion, ended up with 77 tackles. He ends up with one forced fumble, one fumble recovered. The long to go with four interceptions and 16 passes defensed. So, Jalen Ramsey, we all know, has been a big name in the NFL for the last few seasons and really shouldn't come as any surprise to anybody as the the number one corner on most people's lists. Uh, He normally has taken a tall task compared to a lot of these other corners and is really trying to blanket the, the opposing team's number one at pretty much every key moment of the game or every opportunity that he gets. We've seen him now try to follow around. Um... Jamar Chase for most of the game in the Super Bowl. I know there's a couple times he ends up on T. Higgins, and I, I'm not really going to count that 75-yard touchdown against him. It was kind of a a fluke play, kind of a one that shouldn't have happened in terms of yanking on his face mask, pulling him out of the way. But we've seen him in the past, too. He's tried to lock down Devontae Adams, and normally he does a pretty good job against most of these guys. Uh, his PFF grade ends up at 84.5, and he's also part of one of the, if not the best pass defenses in the NFL so I'm just going to filibuster for a second here while I try to pull up the Los Angeles Rams stats from 2021. But Jalen Ramsey, is he's been pretty much on the scene here for a better part of the entire season, or a better part of his entire career. And he's never backed down, so it's just been impressive what he's been able to do in Jacksonville and now in Los Angeles. And he's really pretty much kind of cemented himself as one of the best cornerbacks of this last decade here. And I, I think it's evidence. And I, I tried not to use some of the Super Bowl stuff because it's not fair to the teams or playoff stuff because it's not fair to the teams that didn't make it in this year. But, I mean, what he was able to do with some of these games as well, too, is a, is, is a big part of why he's the number one cornerback in the NFL. So Jalen Ramsey, number one corner of 2021.
So that's going to take us right over into the safety position. And the safety position is, it's, it's pretty multiple and kind of what you, what you get out of it from team to team, uh, player to player. So it's going to, it's going to vary a little bit in terms of who gets in, what style of game they play. And I think everybody kind of knows where we're going with this. So basically, if you're a, if you're a safety, there's a lot of different things you do. So it's a little bit subjective as to who's the top in the league. But nonetheless, our number five safety from the 2021 NFL season is going to be, excuse me, my screen just reloaded all my stats, but it's uh, Jesse Bates for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm a huge Jesse Bates fan, especially based off what he did in the playoffs. But as always, we're trying not to base any of this on that. Uh, He ends up with 88 uh, total tackles. He ends up with a fumble recovered to go along with some four passes defense and one interception. So it's not eye-popping numbers, but he's such a key piece in that secondary. He had two big interceptions in the the playoffs here that I I really like what, what he brings to that Bengals defense. He's a leader on the back end. He's their best player on the back end. And I just think he he gives you a lot of different looks and he gives you a lot of different ability as a tackler in the box, as a deep half safety, as a guy that can man up on some on specific player skill sets. So I really like Jesse Bates and I, I think he's well deserving of this number five uh, spot on this ranking. Uh, the other thing is, is he's up for a contract this offseason, and I think they're going to be backing up the Brinks truck for this guy. It's going to be a lot of money, and I'm really curious to see how much he gets because he is definitely one of the top at his position in the NFL. So Jesse Bates, number five safety in the NFL. So it's going to get a little chalky from here on out, but uh, the number four safety from the 2021 NFL season is going to be Justin Simmons, the safety for the Denver Broncos. And Justin Simmons has been on the, on the scene now. He was a little underrated the last couple years, but now coming into this year, he's, he's big-time paid, and he's playing for one of the best defenses in the NFL. And I, I don't really think he's underrated anymore. I think he's rated just right. I think he's a top-five guy. But uh, this season, he ends up with 80 combined tackles to go along with 12 passes defense, along with five interceptions. So that, the interception numbers up there and it's, it shows that he's he's definitely utilizing coverage a ton he's very versatile what he can do as well he can be a box guy if you need him to be but I, I like him being a little bit back on the coverage end a little more but like I mentioned he's, he's been kind of underrated the last few years and then uh this finally this year I, I think he's kind of bursting on the scene he got the big contract the last offseason and he doesn't really have the name recognition, so he isn't going to win all these Pro Bowl awards, all these All-Pro awards, but he's definitely deserving of them. Uh, I, I definitely think he deserves to be mentioned in a lot of this stuff, so that's why I wanted to get him on my list here as well. So Justin Simmons, number four safety in the NFL from 2021, which is going to take me right into our number three safety, and this is going to be one that I don't know what it is about safeties, but it always constantly seems like they're underrated, and I, I would say the next two guys on this list are going to be in that exact same light. So our number three safety in the NFL is going to be Micah Hyde for the Buffalo Bills. Micah Hyde has been playing at a really high level ever since he came to the Buffalo Bills and even his last couple years in the Green Bay. And he really pairs well with his, uh, his running mate there, Jordan Poyer. They're very versatile in what you can do. You can play Hyde in a slot. You can play him up high. He'll even play some box stuff if you need him to. He's, he's definitely a weapon. 
in that regard on the defensive side of the football. But he ends up with 74 tackles this season. He's got one forced fumble, two fumbles recovered, five interceptions, and one touchdown. This guy is extremely dynamic, and he's a big part of what the Buffalo Bills do on the backside there. He's a he's a huge leader. He's always been well-renowned everywhere he goes. Everybody speaks really highly of this guy, and I just think that he's such a dynamic talent. I remember back to his Green Bay days just because I'm a big Green Bay fan. They really used him as like this nickel guy, this like third corner almost. And he did pretty well. He did very well. And he ended up getting a big contract from the Buffalo Bills for it. But then he came to the Buffalo Bills and he became like this this Swiss Army knife. Like he was doing everything on the back end. He was playing deep half. He's playing in the box. He's even doing some of the slot stuff. So it's it's really interesting to see how his career has evolved ever since he came to Buffalo. And he's he's ended up at number three on our list here. Which is going to take us right into our number two safety of the NFL in 2021. And... We already mentioned him once, but it's going to be Jordan Poyer, the safety from the Buffalo Bills, uh, be Micah Hyde's running partner here. So Jordan Poyer ends up on the all-pro list, and he's another guy. I don't know why they're underrating these Buffalo Bills safeties and just safeties in general, but he's a guy that has never gotten any credit over his years in the NFL, and finally this year he made the all-pro team. But he's got some pretty gaudy numbers too, especially when you stack them up compared to Micah Hyde as well. 93 tackles, three sacks, nine passes defense, along with five interceptions. So 10 interceptions in that just the safety room alone for the Buffalo Bills is a huge number. But you can basically copy and paste everything you said for Micah Hyde and do it for Poyer. It's just he's got a little bit more recognition on his name, which is why I got him a little higher on this list with that all-pro vote. But same thing, if you want to use him in the box, you want to use him on the deep half, this guy can do it all. He can do everything. He's been an absolute Swiss Army knife for that defense. And I think that's kind of the the point here with the Buffalo Bills defense and their safeties and why they're so valuable is they can really do anything that you ask them to. They They can play deep. They can play man. They can play the box. And when you're a safety, those are the three big things that you got to be able to do. So... Uh, that's why I like these Buffalo Bill guys so much and how multiple they're able to be on their back end. So Jordan Poyer, our number two safety in the NFL for 2021, which is going to take us to the top spot. And I honestly, I thought I was going to go with one of the Buffalo guys, but then I seen this guy's numbers, and this guy was just off the charts this season, reminiscent of some of the other big seasons he's had for uh, the Tennessee Titans. But it's going to be Kevin Biard, uh, the safety for the Tennessee Titans. He ends up with 88 tackles on the year one sack he gets a also he gets a touchdown to go with some of his big time intercession excuse me he's two forced fumbles one fumble recovery that's a fumble recovery touchdown to go with five interceptions one touchdown so when you think about the Tennessee Titans and the leap that there's their uh defense took this year mainly in the run game but they were even better in the pass game I mean it was hard to get worse than what they were the year prior and Kevin Biard is the leader in that DB room. Uh, you think about who else they got on that team. Uh, they draft rookie Caleb Farley. They got Jackrabbit Jenkins. It's it's these guys that are either past their prime, these young guys, or unproven guys. And I think Kevin Biard is the, is the lone mainstay there. He's been with the Tennessee Titans, I think it's like six seasons now. And he's, he's really been all pro two seasons and two huge seasons. And... It's hands down that I think that he's the best deep half safety in the NFL as of this year. And it would not surprise me, the leader that he is, and 
if he's the green dot on that that defense, basically the guy calling all the plays. So Kevin Biard, hands down, number one safety in the NFL for 2021. So that's going to wrap up our lists here. We finally got through them. I know, bear with us, you guys. <laughs> but uh, that's going to be it for our 2021 player lists. Let us know your thoughts. And as always, we're going to be always doing some fun stuff like this each week. So make sure you're, you're staying tuned in. So that's going to be everything for this week's episode. A little bit of a short episode this week. I know uh, before we dive into a lot of this heavy off-season stuff, I just wanted to make sure we got a, a f- episode fully dedicated to the Super Bowl and finished up our 2021 list here. So now we're going to be start looking ahead to the off-season. We're going to start doing some fun stuff with that. I know it's been a really long time since we did a mock draft, so we'll probably throw one of them out there next week. And uh, I want to start doing a Fix Your Franchise segment here as well too, where we start diving into some of these individual teams and basically look at their cap situations, look at their uh, draft pick situations, see how we can fix these teams as fast as possible, get them right on the right track for 2022. So those are a couple of things you got to look forward to in the next week here. But uh, another big thing is too, is we're going to start switching, I think, to to Thursdays during the week, just it gives me a little bit more time to record this and get this to you guys and kind of keep it up for a little while before the weekend and before we got uh, got to put out the episode for the next week so once again we appreciate every single one of our listeners you guys are a big part of what we do so make sure uh, if you're new you're hitting subscribe you're coming back every week because we always got great stuff we're rolling out for you so we'll see you guys next week